1: always say it, it's my buddy Mac Powell if you're familiar with Christian music he was the lead singer of the band Third Day the highest grossing Christian band in the history of Christian music not act but band and they have uh, just he's on a firestorm now he's got the number two Christian song in the country right now called New Creation this song is called River of Life it's one of my favorites so you want to check out some great inspirational music check out Mac Powell and what he does it's some great stuff so uh, um, just my advice just a little advice for me when it comes to music um, isn't it funny that we go from uh, heavy metal music to Christian music on the show? It kind of goes with my schizophrenic personality, doesn't it, Julia? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do too. But you know, I, my my personality is as as diverse as this music choices we have.
2: I think the diverse music makes it more fun. You never know what you're going to get. Absolutely.
1: I, I'm like I'm I'm like a box of chocolates. There you go. You never know what you're going to get.
2: Um, we have got to talk about
1: uh, the economy. I want to read a. Tw- Tweet to you um let me get back to the page where it was um the people at uh carvana are now going to be laying off 18 or 1500 people about eight percent of their workforce that is huge um We also know that layoffs are going to continue to happen with Amazon. The tech industry is continuing to lay off. Are we starting to see the decline of work out there? The one saving grace in the economy in the U.S. has been the availability for people to get a second job. Never mind the first one. There was a lot of work out there, a lot of side hustles going on, a lot of people figuring out ways to make a living and keep their heads above water financially. But this is big news. It, you know, what, Carvana has big Arizona ties, and this is um, – This is a big deal, and I will tell you that this is scary to me. Carvana to cut 1,500 jobs or 8% of their workforce, according to Reuters. I got that from the Zero Hedge uh, Twitter page. So um, you know I'm doing some investigation to make sure because it came from Twitter. (laughs) I want to make sure that it's still a a real thing because we all know that right now what's going on with Twitter is not exactly reliable all the time. So I'm going to do some more investigation, but that's what's happening. What I do know about Leo. layoffs is we are still seeing and this is where the dichotomy is, um, is that we are still seeing layoffs in Silicon Valley. We are seeing layoffs with Amazon. Also, uh, the rail strike is not necessarily over the chance of a rail strike. So we are seeing some scary things in the American economy. I will tell you that I never cheer against a political party. I never want I didn't want Joe Biden to fail on the economy. I still hope it gets turned around. Would I like to be wrong about the recession we're heading into? Absolutely. I mean that very sincerely. I am talking about what I see happening and what I believe we should do about it, that I believe the policies of this administration are wrong. Would I like to be wrong about it? You have no idea how much. Listen, I've got no problem admitting that I am wrong. Uh, And I wish and I hope, I really hope in this case that I am. But uh, talking to the experts that I speak with they don't see any way around it. They don't see that, you know, again, it, with you have 50 basis points going up again, the Fed is raising it 50 basis points again. That this is going to push us further in that direction. When you look at what happens on Wall Street when some of these announcements happen, um, you know, we still, we were, we are still at about 33,500 on the Dow right now, somewhere in that range. We're still well below where we were before. So you know that people, and, it, and it's dropped dramatically in the past year, that the people that predict the future by investing their money early or pulling their money out early, we're seeing a decline. It continues to go in that direction. How bad will it get? The- the tech world. So we've seen, you know, during the, uh, the, um, the Clinton administration, when that tech bubble burst, we saw under the Bush administration when the real estate bubble burst, we know that there are things that happen in the economy, but we always bounce back. I have no doubt we will bounce back. But when you lose something, you know, I lost a business and I have to admit, I had to look at myself in the mirror and realize that I was a much better electrician than I was a businessman. And there's no doubt about that. And I've learned a lot of very good lessons from that, that I would love to someday have another business of some kind, whether it's a contracting business or otherwise. I would love to do something else. Um, not instead of this, but in addition to this. And I would do it dramatically different. The issue is – I made mistakes at the worst possible time. The strongest survived. Uh, A guy that kind of would talk me through, I don't know if I'd say mentored, but he talked me through a lot of what happened economically at the time, told me about the mistakes he had made earlier, and he was able to recover because of the good economy, and it taught him valuable lessons, and this guy is one of the most stellar businessmen I ever knew, and he was a guy that used to walk around with a set of tools on just like I did, but he learned from his own mistakes, he was able to persevere, and he moved on, and I didn't. I, I lost it. So uh, I know what it feels like when it's outside of your control to some degree because as long as the good economy was happening, I was fine. There was plenty of work to cover up my mistakes. It's when that work isn't available that you find out how weak or how fragile, I should say the word is, how fragile things really were for me. And I don't want to make that mistake ever again. So I feel for anybody out there that is trying to keep their heads above water because most people right now it's not within their control. The fuel cost for a small business, the the cost of the necessities for a family, it's driving people to the edge. And now we're starting to see and it's not i'm not I'm not um, screaming right now. I'm not screaming at the top of my lungs and saying that the sky is falling, but we are seeing now major companies like Amazon laying off and saying we will continue these layoffs into 2023. uh, You know, COVID money is running out, the PPP money is gone. And so these are people that have no really no work to do and the money is gone to pay them to do nothing. And now we're also seeing a slowing down of the economy. So Amazon, now Carvana, which has deep Arizona roots. And uh, that's, That's a significant part. So when you see people in these situations where they are going to see themselves laid off on the chopping block, where will they go? Now, some people will land on their feet. There's still work out there. Other people are going to start seeing it go in the opposite direction of where we were. The one shining star in our economy recently has been the fact that we had employment available and it was interesting with all the demand and i think this is where the in the minds of some in business and i think this to be true as well that we are starting to see a shift that um demanding that people come back to the workplace where employers are making the rules again because employers understand now that they're more in the catbird seat that you you know there are people out there that said i want to work from home and employers said no 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 you got to come into the office why quit The great resignation. I'll go work somewhere that allows me to work from home or do this or do that. Well, those jobs are drying up. And that may be a blessing in disguise for the work ethic of the American people. And I know I'm old school. I understand that there are a lot of jobs that can be done from home. And there are some people that are really good at doing their jobs from home. But there are some industries where you got to be there. What's fascinating is I guess it's the world I came from. You can't do construction from your house. Now, an office worker might be able to in the construction world. You know, you could have an estimator or a project manager that, for the most part, could do their job when they don't have to be on the job site from their home. Somebody that works in the office and payroll or otherwise. But if you are a if you work in construction, I know this is more brilliant radio for me and insight. You got to be on the job site. So as we move forward, this is going to be something to watch in the coming days because now we're starting to see this perfect storm. Here we are a week away from Thanksgiving, well, a little less, six days away from Thanksgiving, and then the sprint into the holidays. What's going to happen if things continue to diminish? What happens next so uh we're going to talk about that in a moment we get you caught up for the last time this week we do a segment at 11:20 called did you hear this it comes your way in just a few moments <laughs>
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on what you missed all morning. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
2: Former AZGOP chairman Robert Graham shared his thoughts on why Republican voters may have been turned away from some candidates.
0: Republicans were
3: turning out. They were voting for people, independents were voting for Republicans. This, this intensity and in vitriol and the drama that was present in all of these campaigns is what people were shying away from.
2: Did election denial rhetoric play a role in turning away voters from GOP candidates?
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't necessarily believe it was the election denial part of it, but I do think it was the vitriol that came along with it. I felt it myself within the party and I've been around for a long time. If you were someone that did not agree that 2020 was stolen and you didn't agree with the way the audit went, you were ostracized by many. It wasn't necessarily, I just disagree with you. I think you're wrong. It was, get out. And I think that attitude drove voters away so it wasn't so much the subject but it certainly was the attitude and how they addressed it
2: former vice president mike pence was on cnn yesterday and was asked to share his view on former president donald trump's 2024 announcement
0: i think we'll have better choices better choices than my old running mate i i think america longs to go back to the policies that were working for the american people but i think it's time for new leadership in this country that will bring us together around our highest ideals.
2: Are you surprised to hear him say this?
1: I'm not surprised to hear him say it, but I got to tell you, I know he probably didn't mean to cast an insult, but he just called the former president of the United States my former running mate. That was, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or if it was just he just, I don't know how he meant it that way, but I think that's what's going to make the headlines. I'm not surprised to hear him say it. I, I, I know that there are many people that are feeling this and we're hearing people come out of the wood work in talking about a different direction and a different attitude towards those things. I'll go back to my last point, and we talked about election denial. Hillary Clinton still says that the election was stolen from her in 2016. Stacey Abrams said the election's been stolen. Hillary Clinton said the Republicans are going to try to steal 2024. There's not the same kind of backlash, but you have to admit, there's not the same kind of vitriol and threats either, and that's a big issue. <laughs> You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines.
2: Pennsylvania's Republican-led state house voted to impeach Philadelphia's District Attorney Larry Krasner.
1: Krasner is a popular figure among voters who overwhelmingly re-elected him last year. He's not accused of breaking any laws, but Republican lawmakers say his failure to prosecute minor crimes and his
2: bail reform policies have made Philadelphia less safe. What outlook does this give for crime policy in America?
1: I think that we are seeing a rise in crime, and part of it is that we understand that people, it's risk-reward thing. Everything in our life is about risk and reward. And I think in this case, there the reward outweighs the risk because criminals are finding out that it's a revolving door of the system, that you're going into a system. You don't have to put up bail. They're letting you back out. You can commit a crime without much retribution or much repercussion. So I think that's sending the wrong message to criminals. And when you have that at the highest levels in the prosecutor's office, it's one thing for an activist to feel that way. But when you're charged with enforcing laws and you agree with the activist's attitude, that's what people are fearful of.
2: The FIFA World Cup is set to start in Qatar on Sunday, and fans in the stands might be a little disappointed. Officials have announced they are banning the sale of beer with alcohol at the eight stadiums being used for the games. Qatar is a conservative Muslim nation with strict restrictions on the sale of alcohol, but FIFA also has a $75 million sponsorship deal with Budweiser. What do you do if you're Budweiser?
1: <laughs> you're in trouble, and listen, let's be honest, we're Americans. We don't think we could ever sit through a soccer game unless we we had a beer or two. Let's be honest. Um, that's not exactly, that's how Americans get through a soccer game. I'm saying that facetiously. I'm joking. But it is a big deal because this was one of the guarantees from that nation that they made to FIFA that they would allow the sale of beer. And now here's the other consideration. They made other guarantees about LGBTQ and other things they made guarantees on that they, are they going to back out on those others? This could threaten this tournament. And this is, with all due respect to the NFL, this is the world's game. And we don't necessarily hold it in this regard. Europe sure does. Africa sure does. The rest of the world sure does. And uh, this is going to be a big deal internationally. All right, that, that wraps it for the week. And did you hear this? Great job, Julia, as always. This is, uh, I think this is going to be a bigger deal. Yes, $75 million for Budweiser is a huge deal that they're not selling their products um, in the stadiums. But the broken promise is the big deal here. FIFA trying to be politically correct. They go in, and this is also at a time when the weather there is extremely hot. So they are moving games into the evening hours. that will be harder to watch in other parts of the world. So they've made a lot of concessions. I'm talking about FIFA. FIFA. FIFA made a lot of concessions in order to put this tournament there. And now with this happening, the first broken promise was the sale of beer. Now, to us in America, it's not a big deal. It really isn't. A sale of beer is nothing. In a very conservative Muslim nation like this, that alcohol is a big issue. And when you have a country that's run a lot of times through the religious sects, when you have what's close to a theocracy or a theocracy, they they have the final say. You can have all the agreements you want. And when they're ready to break them, when they say this goes against our religious laws, it's over with. And so uh, I wonder what else they're going to do because there are statements being made by teams and by countries that are at this tournament that are making statements about LGBTQ and equality there, about women's rights, and I don't know how well they're going to take this. And let's talk about one other thing. Freedom of the press. Forget that. I wonder what's going to happen if members of the press push this and getting the word out to the rest of the world or if they're going to be silenced because of law there. This is going to be interesting to watch. I don't think this is over anytime soon. We're going to talk a little bit more about the attorney general's race elections, my conversation with Robert Graham, former GOP chair here in Arizona, about what happened and why. We'll do it
0: next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. We still have one race that is undecided, officially
1: undecided, and that is the Attorney General's race here in Arizona. Democrat Chris Mays leads Abraham Hamaday, the Republican, by 236 votes. Now, that is remarkable when you look at over 2.5 million votes cast, 2.5 million votes and two. 236 236 separate them. So this is going to go to a recount. There's no doubt about that. We know that Carrie Lake is still saying that she is not giving up. She's down right now by a little less than 17,000 votes, 16,780 to Katie Hobbs, who has been already named the governor-elect by some sources, not certified yet, but she's already given her victory speech. She's put together her, her transition team, which includes some Republicans along with Democrats. There were some Republicans across the aisle that were Republicans for Hobbs. A couple of them, or at least one of them, is a pretty big figure in a transition team. She's made a commitment to say that she is going to work on both sides of the aisle on some issues, but you know that the priorities of the office are going to be pretty far left priorities. Which to the victor go the spoils. So the question about this is what happened. And I talked with Robert Graham, and Robert Graham's an interesting guy, businessman here in town. He is also um, was the AZ GOP chairman for for years, and so he's done this job recently. It wasn't that long ago that he was the GOP chair. So I want you to hear uh, Robert Graham and his opinions on what happened.
3: If you look at the two, 2014 cycle, 16 cycle, even going into 2018 cycle. The easy GOP, we really built the foundation that was remarkable. We were non-traditional Republican communities. We were reaching into virtually everybody's backyard to communicate about the great opportunity party, and it brought a, part, a continuity amongst the voters, but it also brought continuity amongst the factions of the party. So people saw, look, we're rolling in a direction the victory victory starts for parties in the general election that's where we focus and we do the best we possibly can
1: so um there are a couple of things that happen, and he addressed uh, them uh, in this. And I want to hear a little bit of it. But what happens? With the, a party party leadership is supposed to support candidates within the party. I know that sounds silly. What I mean is, when there is a primary going on, there is not supposed to be an official endorsement or even an implied endorsement toward one candidate over another in the primary. Well, that is not what happened in Arizona. Now, I don't, I don't think it's fair to lay everything at the feet of one person. Dr. Kelly Ward certainly would have taken a huge uh, victory lap had the Trump-endorsed candidates won their races. So I understand that she's going to have to take a lot of the blame. I don't think it's 100% her fault. But one thing I do know is when there is an implied endorsement within the party, it divides the party, and that's one of the things that Mr. Graham Talked about,
3: and when you talk as a chairman in the primary or try to endorse people in the primary, what that does is it tips the scale and you bounce people off the back of the bus. Because there's some people that liked Karen, and there's other people that like Kerry Lake. So if you support Kerry Lake, then the Karen people are going to ditch the party, and that's what happened. So she just systematically erased any continuity that we have. So when you say unmitigated disaster, I would tell you it goes beyond that because now you have to repair it.
1: So... We look at what's happening and now it is worse because it has to be repaired. There are people out there that I think that are ready to come back. This has been going on for a long time. There's no doubt within the Republican Party this has gone on. And I apologize to anybody out there that isn't concerned about Republican politics. But it happens in both parties. But I will talk about the way the message is delivered as well. And I'll give you an example. Now, I don't necessarily think that I could win a political contest if I could win a race if I ran for an office. But I can tell you how I've been able to maintain re- Relationships. Um, I had a rapport and have a rapport as far as I know with Mark Fincham. Um, this, the former Senate President Karen Fan. I had a good rapport and a relationship with her. Randy Pullen, who was also a GOP chair at one time, I had a good rapport with, with him. Ken Bennett, who ended up being ostracized by the audit, but played a big role in the audit as well. During the time that I was very vocally disagreeing as a Republican with the way this audit was being done and who was doing it, I maintained a good rapport with those people because I never lashed out at them. I never went after their character. I went after what was happening and my disagreement with the way that the audit was being done. And I try to approach everything that way. Now, there are times, listen, there are times when I lose my temper like other people do. But isn't it the attitude as much as it's the point of view? I I pointed out earlier during Did You Hear This Today? There was a time and is a time, and it's happening now, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's career, first lady. Here, she was a senator, she's a secretary of state, and she was a candidate for president. Just a couple of weeks ago, Hillary Clinton released a video saying that the Republicans and the radical right-wing Supreme Court are are trying to, are colluding, I'm, my word, not hers, to steal the 2024 presidential election. Those are her words. We don't see the same stuff, and it's not necessarily covered the same way. I I agree with that as well. But the idea, the threats and what's going on and the ballot box watching and Kevlar and faces covered and tactical gear and all of those things, the way you send your message matters. It always matters when as a candidate – and I want to be full of disclosure once again – I, I don't know. I hope. It's not going to be from my end for sure. Um I have a friendship with Carrie Lake. I had, I've had it for five or six years I've known her, uh, respected her very much as a journalist, we would sit around and we would commiserate about politics we would commiserate about issues, and I, I thought it was brilliant, I mean she had such an insight because of her years in the media so I maintain my affinity for her as a person, and I hope that it hasn't damaged our relationship when I give my opinions on what's happening, but now when you look back, and I think everybody has to do a debrief after every big event and an election is certainly a big event what did you do well, what did you, where did you miss when you go into events running for an office where you need as many votes as possible. She is losing right now by 16,780 votes. When you are telling people in your party to get the hell out, they're gone. They won't vote for you. Now, some would cross the aisle and vote for the others. Others leave it blank or write somebody else's name in. So imagine if that attitude of get out And I said, get the hell out, because those were the exact words. When you say that, people in your own party walk away. And I don't know who you're attracting into the party that replaces them, number one. But secondly, what about the independent voters that lean your way? What about independent, right-leaning voters that want to vote for you, but when they hear that, they're like, oh my gosh, how many independent voters out there over the years voted for John McCain? And when you're a McCain, you're no McCain voters in here. If you are, get out. When that statement is made, you are alienating a big part of the base that, A, you would hope would advocate for you. But if they're not going to advocate, you definitely want them to vote for you. I think that's a mistake. And And I think that people are paying a political price for that, a pretty significant political price. And so there's a long way to go, not just in what they're saying, but how they're saying it. That's another key to this. How do you convey a message? If you're a leader and we all work for someone, when was the last time your boss had to call you on the carpet for something? When was the last time you had to get a talking to? When was the last time you did or said something that was below the mark? You didn't make the mark. The way that employer handles that with you says a lot about their leadership skills because I've worked with some people that are terrible at it. I've, I've been pretty – I don't mention names just out of uh, fairness, but I've worked for some people that I will never work for again, that they are, in my estimation, horrible leaders, good at their job, horrible leaders. And so I'm in a place in my life where I can make a choice, and I did, and I got out of there. But I also work for people that are excellent leaders, that that when when a meeting has to happen, we address it, we do it the right way, we put it behind us. Messaging matters, especially when you're trying to entice people to vote for you. It's already a passionate issue. It's already a passionate thing. Setting it on fire sometimes isn't the way to go. So this is what we're seeing. It's interesting to me. It is. There are more races to talk about. We're going to talk about a couple of these others because with few exceptions, these were very, very close. So we'll talk about why they were close and which one, the one that surprised me the most. We'll talk about it next.
0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Alright, just as we were in commercial break, there was a new drop of ballots. Now,
1: there's not that many ballots left, so we're not going to see dramatic changes in a lot of these races, but in the Attorney General's race, every vote counts. Um, when we first went to break, it was a 236-vote advantage for um, Chris Mays, the Democrat. She has increased that lead by 98 votes to 304. So, Chris Mays now leads Abraham Hamaday by 304 votes. Um, that is a 98-vote difference. Um, Carrie Lake has picked up, um, or I'm sorry, Katie Hobbs has picked up 69 more votes. Um, she now leads by 16,849. And uh, there has been a small change in the, not a significant change, but a very small change in the Superintendent of Public Instruction. I don't know where this came from. I don't know if it what county, where this was from. But, um, you know, that is just a small, but the Attorney generals race. I mean, 98 votes could swing this thing. It was only a couple of hundred that separates them. One of the big surprises to me, and this is not – it certainly is not a, a an indictment of a candidate, um, is the superintendent's race, um, that it's not closer. I'm not necessarily surprised that Tom Horn won the race, but and, and it's weird to say 10,000 votes or 9,000 votes because that's a small margin overall. But if any of the races were going to be this significantly close, I would imagine that this race would mirror the attorney general's race. And it is important to point out – and I know this sounds – sounds like I'm stomping on the Trump-endorsed candidates. I promise you I'm not. I, I emceed and, and, and moderated debates with all of the candidates. I've got no ill will toward any of them. I'm making an observation. If you look at two people on the Republican side, the two best performers, far and away, you know, running away with it is Kimberly Yee with 282,000 vote, almost 283,000 vote advantage over Martin Quezada. Republican. The other one, the other Republican performing the best with a 9,176 vote lead over the incumbent Kathy Hoffman is Republican Tom Horn. What is the significant uh, similarity between those two candidates? Neither one of them had the Trump endorsement. Every other Trump endorsed candidate either lost or is losing. Every other one. That is weird. Um, Robert Graham talked about this and said people are turning out. They're just not voting for some of the candidates. Now, is it the candidate? Is it the Trump endorsement or is it the attitude? And that's what's hard for anybody to understand. If you think about it. Um, you have uh, candidates who have been the most outspoken, and Carrie Lake is one of them. She was the top of the ticket for statewide seats. Um, I would say – many people say it's the Senate seat, but I'm saying the governor. It's the most important office in the state. She is down by 16,849, 16,000. You look at Blake Masters. He's he's down by 125,000 votes. Mark Fincham is down by 119,000 votes. So of all of the you know of all of the people there the face of the election denial the face of of saying that 2020 was stolen was Kerry Lake. Now the campaigns are run differently but when you look at this Kerry Lake is only losing by 16,000 less a little less than 17,000 votes when the other two Blake Masters and especially Mark Fincham, um, they're both losing by over almost 120,000 or more. I think that's strange. But it, that you cannot lose the significance that the two candidates, the Republicans, that stayed out of the election denial conversation, that stayed out of get the Trump endorsement, that stayed out of all of that and just ran against their opponent and spoke on the issues of what they were going to do specifically to that office. They didn't talk about redoing our election system. They didn't talk about any of that. What they said was this is what we're going to do in the superintendent's office to better education in Arizona. The state treasurer talked about getting politics out of investing and making sure that the with the solvency of Arizona and the growth moving forward of Arizona is in the hands of someone in the state treasurer's office they both have won their race now you know Tom Horn's only up by 9100 votes but Kathy Hoffman conceded that she can't catch him that there's no way she can catch him all right, before we get out of here, I want to remind you of something. Tomorrow is Super Saturday for our friends at St. Mary's Food Bank. There will be locations of, of Safeway and, and Albertson's locations where you can drop off items. You can go to ST, as in Saint. St. Mary's Food is where you can go to donate. 20 bucks purchase of the turkey. They are still a few thousand turkeys short of their goal. They are going to serve about 10,000 families Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That doesn't even count this weekend with emergency food boxes and meals. So if you want to help out, if you can Help out monetarily or with a donation of food, you can do it at, at Albertsons or Safeway, or you can go to stmarysfoodbank.org and make a donation there and impact the lives of people for Thanksgiving. Um, we'll be back on Monday, of course, as always. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter and Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. Have a great weekend. God bless.